so welcome back to the raptors analysis this is the second episode of these uh, team breakdowns obviously the last one was the cleveland cavaliers this one being the toronto raptors and yeah i hope you guys enjoyed this episode but obviously um you know there's gonna be some parts where i skip along um because the episode does get a little bit long um and so i'm trying to keep it as short as possible um for you guys to digest so i'm just going straight into the first game here which is raptors Cavs at home I broke down this game um, from the Cavs perspective when I did the Cavaliers analysis episode. But so the starting lineup for this game, this is the home opener for the Raptors and it's at home. Uh, it is There's no Chris Boucher, uh, Chris Boucher and no Otto Porter Jr. Uh, due to injuries. And so the starting lineup, Freddie Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., OG Ananobi, Scotty Barnes, and Pascal Siakam at the five. It's something we've seen many times before from the Raptors. It's not something new. It is something that I disagree with, but uh, it is something that Nick Nurse tends to run. So I'm aware that they've tried Siakam at center. And while I do like it in small bursts, I just don't like it in the long run. Okay, I just think it's too taxing to ask a six foot eight guy to not only be your most likely choice to get a bucket, but also ask him to play the center position. And while it really does make the Raptors faster and more flexible offensively, the lack of size can really hurt them down the stretch. And in the regular season, when it's just like faster pace running up and down, it should be fine uh, to win a lot of games. But come playoff time, the game becomes a bit more half court offense ish right? And I can see where they could crumble when it comes to that. So I would just start Christian Coloco or Chris Boucher. Obviously, Boucher's injured uh, for a couple of these games, so no Boucher, but I would I would experiment with Christian Coloco. Uh, but I'll get into the Coloco stuff later on in this breakdown. So it's a crazy way to rip off the Band-Aid as a team playing Siakam at the five, uh, because you're playing against the Cleveland Cavaliers, right? And uh, who have obviously two towers, in Jared Allen and Evan, uh, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, and you know the Raptors did what the Raptors do though. You know they play with high energy, collectively using every option to score, uh, sharing the ball, making quick decisions, not letting the offense become stagnant. Um, but if there's nothing, they keep the ball moving, and that's just thanks to the fact that all five guys on Toronto's starting lineup can legitimately make something happen. Um, the ball pressure that Fred Van Vliet puts on the opposing guards is always great, um, especially after listening to him on that Ball Don't Stop interview uh, from the last episode. Uh, if you guys haven't heard it, it's Freddie Van Vliet, pretty much me reacting to him appearing on a, on a podcast, uh, just kind of giving his thoughts, answering some questions, um, and just, you know, basically talking about being a pest on defense, picking up full court, causing problems in any way possible, pretty much matching what we're seeing in these games. So Scotty Barnes, uh, he just got called for a lot of fouls early on in this game, uh, just trying to get physical with the Cavs. And as a guy that can legitimately guard one through four, it's going to take time to figure out when and when not to be physical, uh, especially with how crafty the guards are nowadays. He can really pick up fouls quickly. And then he's switching on forwards. He's switching on centers. He's switching on guards and he picks up a lot of fouls, you know, just trying to be physical. So Scotty Barnes has everything he needs to be successful. It's just a matter of time at this point, um, just learning more. You know, it is only his second year. So obviously there's a ton of room to grow for him. Uh, but watching the Raptors defend, it reminded me of the Celtics in the sense of obviously right now the Celtics, well, uh, as of right now, they don't have Robert Williams. So 
obviously they're relatively undersized, but they do have lanky wing players, right? Similar to the Raptors. Um, and so with the lack of size at center, they really have to collectively play defense, right? Like team defense to make up for that lack of size. Um, so it was great to see, uh, you know, obviously it was unfortunate to see how many fouls called on, um, on Scotty Barnes. Um, but it was great to see Scotty Barnes, Coloco, Siakam trying to barrel through Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, right? Like, yeah, they were they were a little too physical, but it was nice to see them attack, right? The the good sides that the Cavs have. Um, the alley oops that the Cavs were getting were a huge problem for the Raptors, um, but they really fought hard in this matchup throughout the game, anyways. Um, you know, whenever the Cavs had touches in the post, though, it really collapse the Raptors defense because you have to um, you have to help because of the lack of size like I said before so you put the Raptors in a position where they have to help down low or it's just free baskets for Cleveland you know so obviously the Raptors take that gamble you know from the coaching strategies perspective because they're putting five offensive weapons out there at the same time who can basically they can play both sides of the floor they just don't have the size and so the Cavs were in control throughout the entire pretty much the, the, the majority of the game, uh, but the Raptors wouldn't go away. And they kept forcing turnovers, which was ultimately what won them the game. They won the 50-50 balls. They had active hands. Just just really blue-collar game for the, for the Raptors that the Cavs weren't too ready for down the stretch. Um, and the Raptors are a team with no egos. Everyone's happy for each other. And to top it all off, obviously, they have a big brain coaching staff sitting on the bench. You know, they have Nick Nurse, obviously one of the best coaches in the NBA, uh, who leaves no stone unturned in terms of trying to find anything and everything to win games, right? They're willing to try anything. Uh, you have Adrian Griffin, who's a former NBA player. Uh, his son is actually AJ Griffin. He played for Duke. He's a rookie this season for the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, you have Earl Watson, who was a former NBA player as well. He's had assistant coach gigs. He was even the head coach of the Phoenix Suns, and he's famously known for really pushing um, to make the Suns focus on Devin Booker to be the face of the franchise. He talked about that on a, on a really old episode on a podcast uh, with Gilbert Arenas on the No Chill Pod. Um, but the Raptors just have a great team from top to bottom. You know, what really makes this team scary is you just never know who's going to pop off. You know, when a guy gets hot, the team is still involved. That's what makes them a threat throughout 48 minutes. So you have Pascal who can go for 30. We've seen Van Vliet who can go for 30. Uh, Scotty Barnes has super high potential. Gary Trent Jr. can give you 25 plus on a good night. You have OG Anunoby, prototypical two-way player that NBA teams are always looking for. And, you know, OG Anunoby gunning for defensive player of the year. Obviously, he's mentioned it many times this season. Um, the team just has weapons. Uh, you have a veteran in Thaddeus Young. You have Otto Porter Jr. Chris Boucher is a solid big. Precious Achua, who came from that Miami Heat trade. High-energy guy uh, developing into being able to stretch the floor, just becoming more versatile. You have Christian Coloco, who's a rookie, showing he can be what the team needs. A rim-protecting athletic seven-footer that can keep up with a running style. You know, he has quick feet. He has active hands. He's a lob threat. A super quick second jump, which is underrated when you talk about bigs. 
The Raptors are really going to cause problems all year long for other teams, but it's when the game slows down that I think they're going to struggle. It was a good win for the Raptors because it's a come-from-behind win. It's a comeback. It's at home. Um, even if you know Garland, Darius Garland was injured early for the Cavs, it was a good little comeback win for the Raptors. And so they take that win, and then they follow up with a game against the Nets. This is in Brooklyn. There's still no Chris Boucher, no Otto Porter. So they're running the same five-man lineup, which is Siakam at the five, Barnes, OG Ananobi, Trent Jr., and Freddie Van Vliet. This is an interesting game because we saw the Cavs beat a team that has two towering big men in Mobley and Allen, right? And now here come the Nets. And you're playing against a team that pretty much matches the style that the Raptors are trying to play on offense, which is relatively undersized at center. Uh, the Nets do have Nick Claxton, who popped off in this game. But other than that, both teams really play that small ball game, right? Running up and down, trying to outscore you. Um, and in this situation of small ball versus small ball, the Nets just had the better talent and played like it in this game. You know, KD had 27, Kyrie had 30, Claxton dropped 19 and 11. Uh, you look at the blocks for Brooklyn, KD had two, Royce O'Neal had two, Kyrie Irving had a block, Ben Simmons had two blocks, Nick Claxton had four blocks, Dayron Sharp had a block, Markeith Morris had a block. These are things that are going to happen when you play another skilled small ball team. And it was it really was a close game, which is which is crazy to think because it was basically only the starters for the Raptors that showed up. They got nothing from their bench. Their bench scored nine points. That can't happen. The, the bench scored nine points in total. Okay, I know they have a couple of injuries, but guys have to play better. Brooklyn only won by four points, right? So th that's that was crazy. So kind of a positive note for the Raptors to know that the bench didn't show up and they almost won the game anyway. Um, but I guess if you're the Raptors, you know, you, you still have to think about that second unit. You know, they just had, they have to show up. You know, it is a big yikes to have such a low-scoring output uh, from the bench. Uh, but Pascal Siakam blew up in this game. He had 37 points. He had 11 assists, 12 rebounds. It was an amazing performance. Gary Trent Jr. had 14. Scotty Barnes had 17. Van Vliet had 17. And Anobi had 10. So all five guys in double figures, which is something that's pretty common with this Raptors team. You know, it's 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 a skilled five-man lineup. Everyone can get something done. Um and and the crazy thing is the Raptors had control of this game, right? It was just turnover after turnover, then they went cold down the stretch. The Nets got hot at the same time, which is a recipe for a disaster. You can't be careless with the ball and then also allow the other team to score at will. You know, that's just you're going to lose games like that, right? Like clockwork. And so uh, Freddie Van Vliet hit, hit a, a super clutch snatchback mid-range jumper in the final minute of the game. Uh, but Royce O'Neal kind of put it away with that three he made. Uh, he made it 108-104. Uh, there was 14 seconds left. Siakam pumps Durant under the rim uh, into the air to get like the, the and one call. Um, they called the foul, but Siakam didn't, uh, wasn't able to convert on the layup. Uh, he ends up splitting his free throws. It turns into that free throw game in those final seconds. Uh, KD splits his free throws. The game ends at 109-105, but it was really a Raptors choke job in this game. Uh, they just threw the game away. You know, uh, they actually could have overcome their bench not scoring. Um, it, it was that close, and it was that good of a game for the starters for the Raptors. It was just too careless down the stretch. That's really what lost them the game. Um, but I want to move on to the next game.
And this one was an important watch because it's the second night of a back-to-back, right? So they played against KD, Kyrie, and Nick Claxton uh, and the crew, right? The Brooklyn Nets. And then they have to follow that up with the second night of a back-to-back against the Miami Heat, which right now they're not having a great season. But obviously this is really early in the season. This is, uh, I think this is game three for the for the Raptors. Let me count the game. So they played the Cavs, the Nets. Yep, so this is game three. So still early in the season. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, Heat, the team that, a, a team that plays hard, a team that's well-coached, all that good stuff, right? So still no Otto Porter, still no Chris Boucher. It's the same five-man lineup. It's Siakam, Barnes, OG Ananobi, Trent Jr., and Freddie Van Vliet. Um, and like I said, second night of a back-to-back. And I've said that before on a prior pod. You like to bet against the teams that are playing on the second night of a back-to-back. In this case, if you're a betting person, you want to bet against uh, the Toronto Raptors. And so, yeah, so tough for Raptors to face, tough for the Raptors to have to face Brooklyn and then come back and play Miami the second night, like I said. So interesting to watch Pascal and Jimmy Butler, right, that matchup. And then also Pascal Siakam and the Bam Adebayo matchup. You know, Bam liking the undersized centers. He he likes to go up against them. Uh, and so Pascal's been great so far every night. So he's really just a throwback player. Loves the mid-range jumpers, the mid-range step backs, post-up scoring, attacks the basket. The, the three-point shot is such a bottom-of-the-list priority of Pascal Siakam's. And he scores at such a high clip regardless. Like he's really a throwback player in the sense of where he prefers to get his points. Um, his basketball IQ has improved every year. It's just impressive to watch him control the pace, really taking his time when it gets to half-court offense, looking for the best matchups, making the right decisions depending on the matchup. You know, uh, But you know, midway through the second quarter of this game, Scotty Barnes goes for a crazy dunk where he basically jumped over Tyler Hero, uh, but he landed awkwardly on his ankle. And he turned it, right? So it's like an ankle sprain. Um, And this is something that I wrote down in my notes because I wanted to make a point for anyone listening. So he really struggles to stay away from ankle injuries. It's also what kept him out of a couple games in that playoff series last year against the Sixers. So, you know, uh, anyways, the, the Heat were in control pretty much all game. Um, and the back-to-back slump really showed in the Raptors' performance. You know, Freddie Van Vliet had four fouls in the first half, just picking up a bunch of bad frustration fouls. And side note about these games, so much advertising on these NBA courts. It's those virtual advertisements that display on the court for the viewers on at home, right? Like if you're watching the game on TV, on your laptop, whatever it is, you see two big Subway logos on the court, two big Google Pixel logos on the court. It just makes the brand look ugly. Um, I'm looking at the hoops, and I'm I'm seeing I'm seeing uh, Florida Blue Health Insurance, AT and T, State Farm, American Airlines, uh, Kia. It's just there's ads everywhere. It looks annoying. It looks cluttered. It, I mean, I understand that after COVID, the NBA is really just trying to snatch as much money as they can. But man, the ads are everywhere and it, it just looks so ugly. And this game was so boring to me because it was such a blowout. And the Raptors so clearly just like didn't weren't really in this game mentally, except for a couple of players, especially Pascal Siakam. Um, and, you know, it's just 
It's just one of those games where you know it's a back-to-back, and you look at the end of the score, and you think to yourself, 112-109, what do you mean? This was a tight game, but really, it was just the Raptors coming back the entire time. The Heat just had a lead the whole way up until the end. You know, it was the kind of game you never thought that the Heat were going to lose since, like, the third quarter. Now, I'm not even sure why Adebayo didn't have a good game. I honestly forgot he was even in the game. I didn't even feel his presence whatsoever. It was just weird. Um, it, it had back-to-back vibes from the jump. They The Raptors didn't look in sync. They lost Scotty Barnes early because of the ankle injury. The deficit was so big. And when you're playing against a team like the Heat, who are well-coached, they play hard, they have energy, they can definitely get really hot they can also get really cold um but you know just adding all that together it's it's a blowout game you know until the raptors try to mount the comeback but it's just too little too late um you know there was also a big scuffle in this game that i talked about on an earlier pod between christian coloco and caleb martin um they were kind of like boxing each other out under the rim and coloco fell on his back and for whatever reason which just seemed completely random. Caleb Martin just kind of like stepped over Coloco, not not step on him, but like step in front of him uh, to not let him get up, I guess. And he like flexed his muscles. It, it was so weird to see because Coloco didn't didn't provoke him or do anything like that. So, uh, but later on, Caleb Martin said he did tweet out or he said it somewhere in an interview that he reached out to Coloco and apologized. Uh, the only reason I'm bringing this up is because these two teams met again two days later, right? And it's what I've been waiting for. Uh, obviously, Scotty Barnes was hurt. So they play the Heat again. And since Scotty Barnes is hurt, Nick Nurse puts Coloco in the starting lineup. And Chris Boucher is back, um, you know, so he is also back in the rotation. So the starting lineup now is Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, and then you have Christian Coloco at the five, you know? Um, and this is what I've wanted since I started watching this team. For this breakdown, I wanted to see Christian Coloco in the starting lineup and just allow Siakam to not have to play center and move closer to the position that I feel like it just suits him best. You know, I understand wanting skill and offense at all five positions, but I highly value a rim protecting center, especially when your team has a backcourt as small as Gary Trent Jr. and Freddie Van Vliet. There has to be some balance. You can't have a small backcourt like that and then also not have rim protection. I don't think it's sustainable. And so here's Coloco, finally, a rim protecting center. Yes, he's just a rookie. Um, just being able to get the opportunity to show Nick Nurse that this is more viable than Siakam Barnes front court. Right now, I want to mention, it doesn't mean the Siakam Barnes front court isn't something that can work. It's it, it definitely can. It just depends on the matchups. I just don't think you can spam uh, Siakam at the five, Siakam at the five, Siakam at the five, over and over and over again. I don't think you can do that. Um, I don't think that's going to be the recipe for success in the long run, right? I think you can get away with six nine Chris Boucher at center while having Barnes and Siakam out there, but only time will tell, you know? Um, it's super early in the season to assume this, um, but after this game, I was thinking to myself, okay, he obviously he's a rookie, so he may be too young, to keep a starting spot. And if he's going to come out with performances like these, 17 minutes, he fouled out before the fourth quarter, he grabbed two rebounds, and he finished with a minus 10 on plus minus. Nick Nurse is likely just going to keep the undersized lineups and bring Coloco off the bench if this is what we're going to see. Precious Achua 
grabbed 22 rebounds in this game to go with 10 points. Such a valuable guy. No ego. Does his job. Doesn't make excuses or play outside of himself. That's a winning player, and I'm sure Miami was sad to have to trade him away, right? They traded him and Drogic to get Kyle Lowry, right? And so Toronto played this game with so much more energy than last time, which is no surprise because now they have rest in between these days. The faster movement on offense was more visible. Uh, there wasn't a lot of standing around. Really back to the Raptors' roots in this game. Boucher came in and he was knocking down threes. He was altering shots. He was scoring on putback dunks or tip-ins. Really providing quality second chance opportunities that you might not be able to have with Siakam as your center. And Precious Achua obviously also providing second, third, fourth, fifth chance opportunities with those 22 rebounds. Um, you know, the Heat do a great job of creating contact and putting teams in foul trouble, which was really in display in both of the matchups against the Raptors. Um, you know, Freddie Van Vliet, obviously, he's been defending super well up up until this point um, over the course of these games, uh, but he has been fouling a lot. And when you play hard and physical on defense, that's going to happen from time to time. Um, but he is grabbing a lot of steals, you know, really getting into people's space. Uh, I saw him matched up on Jimmy Butler a couple of times on the perimeter, really making it hard for him to put the ball down. And when you have a player like Van Vliet guarding you, you really want to just get your catches, like your possessions. You want to catch it somewhere in the mid post so you can actually back him down from there. Really hard to back down Freddie Van Vliet from the three-point line. It's just too much ground to cover. Um, but yeah, you know, really the piece that makes this team have stability on both ends, Freddie Van Vliet really does his job and then some. Um, but speaking of steals and defense, OG Ananobi has been a defensive highlight machine. He's just putting evidence into why he should be in the conversation for a defensive player of the year. And he's been getting some chase down blocks. He's picking the ball away in one-on-one -on -one matchups. He's tipping passes when they get into zone defense. Everything you might not see in the stat sheet and then some. You know, the Raptors heat games are such a throwback matchup because of the intensity. Like these teams play so hard. They play so physical. They don't shy from contact, but they also stay modern in terms of shooting, right? Like the run and gun style. And not a lot of teams are as physical as these two and just not afraid to get dirty, right? These teams are pretty old school um, in that sense. Um, but for any Raptors listening, for any Raptors fans listening to this episode, Nick Nurse squatting down on the side out of bounds is always going to make me laugh because he gets so low to the floor, just like out of anxiety of watching his team play, just just like always all in on the game. You know, you see other coaches and they're cool, they're calm, they don't even get up sometimes. But Nick Nurse is squatting on the ground, side out of bounds, looking at every single second of the game. It's just fun to watch. Um, and Coloco may have not done anything offensively. Um, because he fouled out by the end of the third quarter too. Um, but just his presence caused a lot of turnovers for the Heat. And not because he was like pressuring the ball or doing anything crazy. It was just him being out there, just existing out there. It really cut down on the passing windows. It forced the Heat to play some, uh, to throw some tough passes um, and, and not as many lobs as before when Coloco's out there for obvious reasons. He's seven feet. He's lanky. He can get up in the air. Um, and one of the side notes I had for this game, Jimmy Butler made his first fourth quarter points in the last minute. How do you go a whole fourth quarter without 
any possessions without 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 any attempts like that like without actually scoring you're the guy on this team you have to get more possessions for yourself the heat were awful in the fourth quarter gary trent jr was open over and over and over again making the heat pay Trent Jr. always calm shooting the ball. Super fun to watch him shoot um, because he's never, he's just always unfazed whether the defender's closing out or not. Uh, But this was a good game for the Heat except for the fourth quarter where they just, you know, they just just threw the ball away over and over again and then they went cold, you know. Um, It was an interesting game to watch. The Raptors really pulled through and they got their win uh, in that second matchup against the Heat. And I want to move into the next game, which was the Raptors Sixers at home. And then it's pretty much back to basics for the Raptors. It's Van Vliet, it's Trent Jr., OG Ananobi, Scotty Barnes back in the lineup since injuring his ankle, and then Pascal Siakam back at the five. So this is where Siakam at center gets put to a true challenge against Joel Embiid. Right, It's so interesting to see this because it's like, yeah, defensively, the Raptors are going to have trouble against Embiid, but the Raptors are banking on the fact that they can just put Embiid on a racetrack and really run him out of town. You know, Embiid, not exactly a center that wants to get out and run. You know, this is also a revenge game for the Raptors since that first round playoff matchup from last year. Um, the Raptors are so fun to watch on their home on their home floor, though. Um, you know, I got to give credit to these Raptors fans listening to this right now. If anyone's hearing this, you guys are some of the best fans in basketball, winning or losing. The crowd is ridiculously loud. I'm literally watching this game on League Pass, and I still have a hard time listening to the broadcast team. At, at certain points in the game, like it gets so loud that even the broadcast team has to yell, even if they have the microphone right at their mouth. That's wild. I'm almost certain that I talked about this game on an earlier pod, um, but uh, when I was talking about the Sixers struggling, um, but the Sixers just didn't show up in this game. This game was one-sided. I'm sure the Sixers hate this matchup. Any matchup where the opposing team is physical, they fight for every single 50-50 ball, it's it's just a mortal enemy of the Sixers who play lazy as often as they do, right? But this game was never in doubt. The Raptors blew them out of the water. Embiid, when you look at the stats, you're thinking, wow, what a monster game from him. But it was an empty stats performance. It was one of those games, again, where it's, it's just one of those games where Embiid just just stacks up that just packs the stat sheet scores a bunch grabs a lot of rebounds the efficiency's there but it's like you know they're from they're coming from behind the entire time um and Trent Jr. was just amazing in this game he's a threat the entire time he's out there he's always a headache for these opposing teams you just can't leave him open and don't be fooled by the final score of this game you know, when you look at 119-109, you think, okay, it's a 10-point game. It was closer than Vic's making it sound. But the Sixers were playing from behind all game long. Like, it never looked like the Raptors were even going to lose. Kind of like how I described that Heat-Raptors game. Same, except in this case, obviously, in favor of the Raptors. The ball movement for the Raptors was San Antonio Spurs-esque. It was peak Toronto Raptors ball movement. Um, it was as good as it gets. Um, it was being passed around super quickly, super effectively, making the Sixers look so stupid out there on defense. It was really funny to watch. Um, and these teams actually faced again. You know, they had a rematch uh, right th- right next, right? It was the next game for them. Um, but this is at home again for the Raptors. So they get two back-to-back home games. Um, but, it, it, but this game was interesting because 
there's no Joel Embiid. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, this could potentially be a better game because now the Sixers can actually run. You know, uh, Embiid likes to slow the game down. Embiid doesn't want to run up and down all the time. Um, it's just not a game that favors him. He needs to slow the game down. Um, you know, maybe some transition points here and there, but for the most part, Embiid wants to uh, really, you know, get to his post touches, get to his mid ranges, get to his, um, get to his just paint baskets, right? Like, like he's a he's a center. Yes, he's a modern center, but at the end of the day, he does play relatively slow. Um, but yeah, so but this was weird because I didn't think the game would go this way. The Raptors were not. I mean, they were awful the Sixers destroyed the Raptors they wasn't even I mean this was a blowout like I I did not think that this game was gonna go this way I I I thought the game would be closer because without Embiid it means the team can run more um just because you know you're giving the Sixers more possessions when you run like that um but you know Fred Van Vliet goes 0 for 8 from 3 0 for 11 overall he scored one point in that game, uh, which was crazy to see. But this was also, no surprise, the Tyrese Maxey pop-off game. He scored 44 in this game, which is, like I said, it's not a surprise because this is the game where he can get out and run the entire time because there's no Embiid. So that's a game that really favors Tyrese Maxey. I've talked about that before when I was talking about the Sixers a couple of pods ago. Tyrese Maxey, really one of the few players on Philadelphia that wants to just play full court offense the entire time. Um, but yeah, you know, this was a weird game to watch. Um, you know, the, the Sixers just blew them out of the water. It was a pretty boring game aside from watching Tyrese Maxey pop off. Um, and then, you know, um, as this episode gets to the point where I don't want it to get too long, um, you know, they blow out the Hawks, they blow out the Spurs, which was expected. And as this episode gets to that point, like I said, I just want to make a point about these Raptors that I've noticed up until this point, right? They haven't been able to beat the same team twice in a row. They split games with the Heat. They split games with Philly. They recently, when I'm uploading this, they recently split the games with Chicago. Obviously, you tally that to adjustments made by the opposing teams. But seeing so many of these Eastern Conference teams split games against each other, it says to me, obviously, this year is going to be a tight playoff race. Uh, But all in all... This is a solid Raptors team. I have a lot of respect for them, but I do think that after watching them closely, even with a small sample size, I can safely place them under the Bucks, under the Cavs, under the Celtics, maybe even under the Hawks, who I mentioned got blown out by the Raptors recently. So it's funny because as of right now, if you're going to the standings right now, um, it, it shows that exact list of teams ahead of the Raptors. My judgment has nothing to do with the standings. Um, it's just who I truly think are the better teams. I think the Hawks are a tough team to predict because they're defending, because when they're defending um, and the shots are falling, it's a scary team. They're they're pretty much unstoppable, but they're so 50-50. You know, some games they show up, some games they don't, some games they want to defend, some games they just let you score 140 points. So it's really hard to predict the Atlanta Hawks as well. That's the vibe I'm getting from these Raptors. Really inconsistent performances. They look dominant one night, The next night they get dominated. They dominate a team, then they get dominated by the same team. So, but I do have a hot take, okay, before I end this episode. If the Raptors and Sixers meet up in the playoffs again, 
I'm going to pick a surprise upset in favor of the Raptors. I'm just going to bank on the high energy, uh, the chaos that the Raptors cause, um, the the unknown pop-off game from any of the five players out there um, on, on the floor for the Raptors. It's a really tough team to predict, and I'm sure it's really hard to scout against a team like this because it's like you really have to it's like game by game. You never know who's going to pop off. So that's what makes this team dangerous. They have five skilled players out there. It's a five-man lineup of skilled guys, one through five. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's going to do it for this episode. Um, the next episode is actually going to be a general addressing of the NBA at the moment. Uh, I kind of want to retouch bases with what's been going on around the league. Uh, just me kind of looking at the standings, um, getting whatever recent news is out there, and kind of having a general episode before I go into breaking down a different team. Um, but that's going to do it for this episode. This is the All Things Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Vic Lopez, as always, and I'll catch you guys on the next one.